Well, thank you this morning. Thank you to our praise team and to our choir and to all of you for joining in our time of worship. We pray, God, I was honored and glorified in our time of worship. This morning I'm going to be sharing from the book of... Um, first, I'd like for us to, to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to be sharing uh, verse 23 through the end of that chapter. It's a lengthy reading, so if you would just remain seated. I just added this a few minutes ago. I, I really struggled with what the Lord wanted me to preach. I wanted to preach something, and he didn't want me to, but I wanted to. And so uh, he won out. Um, but anyway, uh, maybe in time to come, because I knew that we had uh, celebrating the, the Lord's Supper, recognizing our, our death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus and waiting for him to come again. And, and I was going to preach directly about the Lord's Supper. Then I was going to preach about the blood covenant. And then I was going to preach about what can God do with a few and God just kept saying, I, I want you to use Isaiah 1, verses 18 through 20. But I don't believe he'll mind if I share this passage of Scripture, because what I'd like for you to do, it ties in with the sermon. I'm going to share with you about an invitation for cleansing. An invitation for cleansing. It goes right along with what we're going to be doing here in a few minutes as we take time to examine ourselves during our time here where we can partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Not that we're perfect people, but it's Christ that makes us worthy. And so we need to examine ourselves to see if there's any um, unconfessed sin, anything we need to repent of. And so if you would follow along and let me just uh, introduce a self-examination about what we're going to be doing in just a few minutes. But we'll pick up reading and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whosoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, let a person, let a man examine himself and let him so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and some sick among you, and many sleep, they're dead. For if we would judge ourselves... We would not be judged. 
But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So this morning, prior to observing the Lord's Supper, think, Lord, is there anything in my heart, in my life, that's not right with you or with my fellow man, that I might repent before I partake of this supper? Now, if you would, turn to our main text, Isaiah chapter 1. And I've preached, um, I preached from this text some time back, but uh, we want to look at it again and see some things the Lord has for us. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to come into this place and worship. And now, Lord, open your words. Speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And Father, allow your Holy Spirit to go from person to person. Lord, as you speak to our hearts. And then may we not rebel that we might be obedient and repentant, and Lord, that we might come back into a love relationship with you, for we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. An invitation for cleansing. Now, most invitations are given at the end of the message. I'll be making an appeal on behalf of the Lord at the end of this message. So most invitations are given at the end of a message, but Isaiah gives a an invitation at the beginning of the message, Isaiah chapter 1, 18 through 20. And so he gives this invitation at the beginning of the message. Now notice the invitation is actually given or extended by Isaiah, but it is an invitation from the Lord God. It is an invitation from God. Now, I want you to notice three things in our time this morning. First of all, if you're taking notes, this is a gracious offer from God himself. A gracious offer. Notice what he says in verse 18. Come now. Come now. Now, who's the subject? Well, you're the subject. I'm the subject. Come now and let us reason together. God says, come now. Let us, meaning you, the sinner, and me, Holy God, come now, come to me, holy God, and let us reason together, says the Lord. And then he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God takes the initiative, that's important, God takes the initiative and God appeals to the sinner. So the point is, the one who is offended, which is God, he appeals to the offender, 
which is the center. And so he comes to us, and he says, come to me. So God the Creator says to the sinner, come to me, and let's reason together. I want to reason with you. Now, the word reason there is a legal term. It describes someone in a court of law just standing before a judge, settling the matters of the case, just going before the judge and settling the matters of the case, standing before the judge. And so the point is, God says to the sinner whose life is stained by sin, whose life is scarlet, red, whose life is scarlet, red, like crimson, and he says the phrase. Now this particular phrase, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall become as white as snow. This particular phrase refers to a particular kind of permanent dye. So they had a, they had a, a red dye during that period of time. It was scarlet red. And it, would, it was impossible to remove if some cloth was stained by it. In other words, if you use this dye on a piece of cloth, this red dye, it would be there forever. It would always be there. And so God makes a point and he says that sin has stained your life. Sin has stained the human race. And sin stains our souls. Sin stains our life. Sin stains our thoughts. Sin stains our actions. Sin stains our morals. So listen, sin makes us feel so guilty. It makes us feel so dirty. It makes us feel so empty inside. Now why is that? Because we're separated from God. Because, you know, we're lonely with all the sin in our life. And it seems as though nothing can be done about it. Something's missing in our life. And so we have this thirst that uh, cannot be quenched. And we have this hunger that cannot be satisfied. And so we just live our lives without God and without Christ under the guilt and under the load of sin. And it's, it's inner misery for a person. You've been there, I've been there. You know how it feels. Some of you are experiencing it right now without Christ. It's just misery. That's the best way to describe it. Inner misery. And you feel like that you kind of, you feel like you're dirty. You feel like you're filthy. You feel like you need a bath on the inside with all this sin. Something to get rid of all that immoral, this filth, this pollution, this guilt that you carry around with you. And, and what's so strange, the very things that we know that are part of the sin process in our life, you continue to walk in them. And it's there. And you know it's there. And you feel so hopeless about it. You feel so helpless about it, like there's no escape and there's no way out. And you feel that you're just stuck in this miserable condition forever. But God says to you this morning, come to me and let's reason together. Come to me, let's reason together. And God is saying, you're not coming to me for me to beat you up. 
And you're not coming to me for me to condemn you and to condemn you and to condemn you, but you need to come to me because I'm the judge and we need to settle this matter of your sin guilt. You need to come to me. He has the answer. And God says, if you come to me, then I'm going to offer you this unconditional pardon. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to pardon you, and God says, I'm going to erase your record completely. Think of that. Erase your sin record completely. And if you come to me, he says, there won't be any record that you were ever a a fellow sinner. It's gone. It's wiped clean. You know, there, there'll never be a record that you were separated from me. So that's what God offers the sinner, the person without Jesus Christ. And God says that without him, you're lost and you're going to hell. But if you'll come to me, I'll pardon you, I'll forgive you, and I'll give you eternal life. I'll wash your sins away. You'll be clean. And it'll be just as if you've never sinned. Think of that. You'll be forgiven. And uh, it'll never be brought up again. It's over with. You're forgiven. And God says, if you'll just come to me, if you will accept the salvation offered to you in Jesus Christ, not only will I give you eternal life, and not only will I forgive you, and not only will I give you heaven not only will I give you a pardon, I'm going, to, I'm going to wash your filth away completely. Think of that. And when, when I look at you, he says, I'm not going to see you as a sinner, but I'm going to see you as a saint separated unto me. Now look at verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I'm going to give you a pardon that not only sets you free, but makes you pure in my sight. Forgiveness. And that's God's invitation. You know, I have this, Judah and I have this screened in porch. It's gotten to be kind of a screened-in utility room. You know, we put it in the porch if we don't have room for it in the house. And, and from time to time, it has vinyl siding, and it's screened in all the way around. And then the screen catches uh, moss. And then, um, then you have all kinds of dirt and dust that gets in that screen and also in the vinyl. And so every now and then I have to pressure wash it. And I can take that pressure washer and I can get in all the crevices and I can get in the cracks and I can get in all the corners and I can clean it up. The point is when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and nothing else is precious blood inside you. We sang about it a few minutes ago. His precious blood inside you is going to wash you and wash you and wash you and make you clean, remove all of your guilt, remove all of your filth, remove all of your nastiness. 
You're not the same person you used to be, but he's going to clean you up on the inside. And strange, when he cleans you on the inside, it begins to appear on the outside also. And his blood is going to cleanse you. Remember the song, What Can Wash Away My Sins? No, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but his blood of Jesus can wash me and clean, cleanse me. That's his invitation to you who have never trusted him. Now, you may be trusting in something else, but it's only him. Trust him and only him. So there's a gracious offer, and God says, come to me, come to me. This is what I'll do. But not only is there an offer, look, there's a voluntary response. Look, if you will, in verse 19. He says, if you're willing and if you're obedient, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You see, every member of the human race has a free will. You came to church this morning because you had will to come. Some stayed at home because they had will to stay at home. Every person has a free will. But our free will is tainted by sin. It's tainted by a fallen nature. So the point is, every person in the human race is free to accept God's invitation or to reject God's invitation. He doesn't force it on you. God didn't create us like machines or like robots. But God is saving sinners to be on mission with Him. We're talking about this on Sunday night. He's saving sinners to be on mission with Him to save more sinners and bring to Himself a lost world. So God is inviting you to be a follower of His by turning and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do that, you get on board with Christ, with God, to reach a lost world to Him. If you're willing and obedient. Now, when God says, come to me, that's not a suggestion to you. When he says, come to me, that's a command. He says, come to me. If you're willing, if you'll respond, you shall do what? You'll eat the fruit of the land. That speaks of satisfaction. You'll eat the fruit of the land. You'll never be thirsty again. You'll never be, you'll never be hungry again, spiritually thirsty, spiritually hungry. You remember what Jesus told the woman at the well who came to Jesus and and to draw water, and he said, if you drink from that well, that earthly water, you're going to thirst again. But if you'll receive the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. And she was going after that earthly water. She was trying to satisfy her need. She had, she had, been, she had been married several times, and she was still thirsty, to the point that the man that she was with, she, she wasn't married to him. You know what that says? That means this. If you've been married five times or, or ten times or, or 15 times, uh, I know a person that's been married 18 times. I mean, legally, has documentation 18 times. Still, he's still thirsty. Still thirsty. He drank him from the wrong well. He's still thirsty without Jesus. Depending on something else to satisfy, and it never satisfies. So Jesus spoke about the bread of life. He spoke about the water. He spoke about the bread of life. He said, I am the bread that, you know, he that eats this bread, meaning he that eats this bread, he that receives me into his life, he'll live forever. 
So the point is satisfaction. If you'll respond, you shall eat from the good of the land. Satisfaction. Now, there's some of you perhaps that's trying to satisfy your life by doing this or doing that. Some are satisfying. If you're viewing on YouTube or Facebook or be listening later by by radio, you're trying to satisfy your spiritual thirst with maybe alcohol or maybe drugs or maybe sex, something you're trying to get satisfaction in life and you never have it, and you'll never have it till you give your life to Jesus Christ. You're trying to satisfy a longing in your heart that only Jesus can satisfy. So your life can change in a moment if you'll be willing and obedient. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Then you'll eat the good of the land. You'll be satisfied. So there's a gracious offer, and then there's a voluntary response. And real quick, let me mention one more. There's a tragic response. Look at verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you refuse and rebel to give your heart and life to Christ, then you're going to be devoured by the sword. This is speaking of the sword of God's judgment. That's what it's speaking of. So the point is, if you refuse his grace, you're going to meet him as a judge who's not going to give you a pardon. Because he's a just judge, he's going to send you forever, separated from him in that place called hell. And look at verse 20, what it says. It says, but if you refuse and obey, you shall, be, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What does that mean? So the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know what that means? He says, that settles it. That's it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. You accept Christ, you go to heaven. You reject Christ, you go to hell. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's it. No arguing. No pleading. Because you see, the only way to heaven is by what Christ did for you on the cross. You say, well, I'm a good person, Brother Sammy. That won't get you to heaven. There are going to be a lot of good people in heaven. That's a sad thing. You say, well, Brother Sammy, uh, I'm a moral person. I don't do this. And I, that's really good, but it won't get you to heaven. Just remember this scripture. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So there's no arguing. It's true. God said it. It's going to happen. That settles it. No more questions. You understand it. So today you need to respond to the appeal to his invitation. I used this some time back. I don't remember when. Uh, it's a favorite illustration of mine by, by Dwight L. Moody um, about responding to the invitation. Sunday night, October the 8th, 1871, Dwight L. Moody stood before the largest crowd that he'd ever preached to in Chicago. He's, he was a worldwide evangelist. And he preached that night from Matthew 27, verse 22. And it referred to Pilate's question. And the question was, what shall I do with Jesus, the one who's called Christ? And at the end of the message, Moody said, and I quote, 
I want to give you, I want you to take this question home with you. The question being, what shall I do with Jesus, the one who's called Christ? He said, I want you to take this question home. Will you think about it all week? And when you come back next Sunday, I'm going to tell you the answer. What shall you do with Jesus? And Ira Sankey, his music evangelist, stood up and he began to lead a closing song. And as they were singing, they began to hear bells ringing and fire truck bells all across the city. That was the night of the great Chicago fire. The fire burned for three days, Sunday night, Monday until Tuesday evening. 300 people died. A thousand people were left homeless. And Dwight L. Moody said that he would regret to the day he died that he did not give an invitation for the people to be saved that night. And he said until the day he died, I never saw that congregation again. You know, we'll never be like this anymore. This is a one-time Sunday right here. Next Sunday, some of you will be back. Some won't be back. Other new ones will be back. Those that were not here will be here next Sunday. We'll never be like this again. And that's what Moody was saying. He said, I'll never see that congregation again. He said that some of those very people may have died in that fire. He said, I made a decision that night that I would never have a service and preach a message that I did not give people an opportunity to willingly be obedient to respond to the great invitation and get saved. So today, for you, there's a, there's a gracious gift, a gracious gift. There's a voluntary response and then there's a tragic response. So what are you going to do with God's invitation when he says, hey, come to me, come to me. And so if you're here today without Christ, remember that's a command. That's not a suggestion. So if you want to have quality life, i.e. eternal life, you come to Jesus. He's calling some this morning, some here some viewing by other means. And he says, come to me. He wants to forgive you, cleanse you by his blood. And some today have been saved that are here. But you've, for whatever reasons, left your first love. God's not the, where he needs to be in your life. And God is calling you to repent and to come to him. And Isaiah extended God's invitation on that day. And I'm extending that same invitation on this day, asking you to come to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to just open your word and see with our own eyes, read with our own eyes, understand through your Spirit's teaching that you're calling people to you. Those who have never trusted Christ, I pray today they'll come. Those who are viewing that in the quietness of wherever they are, their home, wherever it might be, they'll humble their heart. They'll ask you to forgive them and come into their life and save them. But here today, Lord, I pray that people would respond, not coming to me, but coming to you. I pray they'll come today. 
God, you're calling some salvation. You're calling Christians, Lord, who have turned away for whatever reason to repent and come back to you. And God, it's your invitation, and I extend that for you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.